Today's episode of Beyond the Mask is presented by the insurance specialists at BrightThink Wealth Strategies. Find the disability insurance coverage that fits you best right now. Email Robert Smith at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. The show is also made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. Get a free consultation today to be guided through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Just visit crnafinancialplanning.com. We'd also like to thank Helping Hands and OSA EMR for their support of the show. And don't forget, listening to our podcast can earn you Class B credits. For more information on how you can submit them, check out the CE Credit tab on our website, beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Welcome to Beyond the Mask, innovation and opportunities for CRNAs with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. We know you spend your day caring for your patient's best interests. On our show, we want to care for you. Join us as we leave the operating room and learn the latest in the CRNA industry. Beyond the Mask starts in 10. Nine, eight, seven. Welcome to Beyond the Mask. I'm Jeremy Stanley, and I've been working with CRNAs for over 23 years, and I'm married to one. And my co-host is... Sharon Pierce. Sharon's a practicing CRNA for over 20 years, a past president of the ANA, the NCANA, and she's held many other leadership roles. As usual, our goal with every episode is to educate and enlighten CRNAs, and I think our topic today is definitely going to do that. And Sharon, what time is it? It's time to wake up, Jeremy. I think it is. Well, hello, Sharon. Welcome to the show. the beyond the mask podcast that's right and we're together again through zoom i know i'm ready to be back in the studio though i know you know what we're gonna do some crazy things to the studio too we're gonna we're gonna jazz it up a little bit this year that'll be our goal okay yeah with the cameras in there yeah, we're going to dress nicer. <laughs> well, you know, of course, um, I got to be careful with that. You know, when Pierce learned that we had a <laughs> studio and, you know, he closed the door and put black curtains up and had a camera, he got a little little iffy there. So we got to be careful. Yeah, talking now about we're going to have three cameras. That's there. right. That's right. We'll have multiple <laughs> angles. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh. You know, I learned something recently about that multiple angle thing because you know we're, oh, really? in the middle of, yeah, we're in the middle of shooting this documentary about nurses in elected office and we just went up and filmed eddie bernice johnson in washington dc a week and a half ago she's the first nurse to ever serve in congress so we filmed her for huh. the documentary and they had a couple of cameras going and i asked them why do you have two cameras so when they edit you don't see somebody move wrong. You go oh, from they can one, go from this, one this pose side to, the next. to this side. So hmm. there's a reason why they have multiple cameras. Well, that is not the explanation I thought you were going to give. So <laughs> I don't even want to go there, Jeremy. <laughs> Let's not even go there. <laughs> uh, well, we have another great show put together today for our listeners. And um, I know you're excited about this one. And We've been waiting for a little while to get this one done, uh, but tonight we have with us Miss Holly Chandler. Welcome, Holly. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. 
Well, we're excited to have you, and we're going to be talking about a topic that I know is near and dear to your heart, and uh, we've we've hit on it a little bit on other shows, but we're going to be talking about SRNAs and what they're having to deal with during their training in civility, bullying by other healthcare providers, and um, you know this is a topic I know that has come to the forefront a lot in recent years. And I think our listeners are going to learn a lot about, uh, you know, what's going on out there. And in fact, some of them might be the perpetrators themselves, and maybe it'll turn their behavior around. What do you think, Holly? Yeah. Um, so I do think it is a really important topic, and um, I think that uh, it is really great that you guys have me here today to talk about this. I did do a dissertation on instability and bullying. I do think that one of the things that uh, came to light for me was that I think a lot of preceptor CRNAs that participate in incivility aren't really aware mm. that they're, that they're participating in incivility, that, 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 that SRNAs are perceiving their actions as being incivil or bullying. Mm. Well, awareness is the first step, isn't it? I guess to a lot of things, but before we dive into this topic, Holly, why don't you tell our listeners where you're at, where you teach at, and how you initially became interested in this topic. Yeah, thanks. So I am a associate professor at Bryan College of Health Sciences in the School of Nurse Anesthesia in Lincoln, Nebraska. I live in Omaha, so I drive about 50 miles to and from Lincoln every day to work. When I decided to go become a faculty, I had to go back to school and get a doctorate. And as you know, Sharon, that was quite an endeavor at my age. (laughs) (laughs) I understand. So um, taking that on, I wanted to, um, to make my dissertation something really meaningful. And as everybody does, when I got into, um, into my doctoral program, it really struck me the emphasis that they put on, on the importance of how everybody needed to treat each other with respect and students and faculty. And, and that was really, that seemed really different for, for me coming from um, having been in a master's program back in the early 2000s um, in anesthesia school. And so I kind of just really wanted to focus on that. And that's how I got interested in it, that juxtaposition of what it was like when I went to school before and what it was like when I went to school now. And that's how I got interested in the topic along with having students come into my office, having experienced some of these um, situations with incivility and bullying themselves, wanting to make a difference with that. Well, Holly, I'm going to kick it off with a, a question because I don't, I don't think I really understand the true difference between incivility and bullying. Can you, can you kind of clarify that for us? So that's a great question, Jeremy. Um, it's really, they, they are two very separate concepts, incivility and bullying. And it was really important. My study was about the perceptions of students mm-hmm. and what their perceptions of incivility and bullying were. So in the study, it was really important that I differentiate those two concepts for them before I interviewed them. When I sat down to interview them, I had a de- the definitions of both of them for the participants in front of them. And incivility is basically defined as actions that are ambiguous. So they can be non-intentional 
They're non-physical. They involve disruptive behaviors. I kind of call them junior high. Okay. <laughs> They're kind of right. like junior high behaviors, you know, eye rolling, telling secrets, rumor <laughs> spreading, um, isolating someone or excluding them. And they create a disruptive environment and they can um, or may escalate to bullying. Okay. And then bullying is, can often be repeated. It is self-harming mistreatment and of one or more people by one or more perpetrators. And it is abusive and it can take the form of verbal abuse, threatening behavior, intimidating or humiliating behavior, and, um, or it can be sabotage. It is intentional. It is purposeful. And it is, um, like I said, often repeated and it will always cause harm. So incivility may be unintentional, but bullying is intentional. A hundred percent. Right. Wow. wow. Sharon, Sharon, I'm going to throw this out there. Have you ever felt bullied in, in, in your profession? I mean, and I'm just asking as a CRNA, not as a student, but is, is there ever been, I'm, I'm just thinking out loud as Holly was speaking there, you know, um, has there been a time that you felt either one of these, I guess, in, in, because well, it, it, I think incivility is pretty much, or it's not as rampant in the OR by surgeons as it used to be. You've got to remember, I've been a nurse almost 38 years. I've had bags of blood thrown at me. I've had instruments thrown at me only once by each perpetrator. Trust me. <laughs> so I'm yeah. going to stop you there. That's not incivility. That's blood thrown at you is bullying. All right, then. They were bullying, <laughs> but they only did it at once. I can Because tell if you look at those behaviors, I mean, if you look at those definitions, Sharon, and that's why it was important for these definitions mm-hmm. to be sitting in right. front of those students. Oh, you're right. Mm-hmm. That is intentional, purposeful behavior that is, you know, is threatening. Yeah. A mm-hmm. bag of blood being thrown at you is threatening. It, it's humiliating intimidating, you know, I mean, that is bullying. Yeah, well, I guess you're right. And the times that it happened to me in the operating room, I just said, okay, we're in a patient care area. We're not going to talk about this right now. But as soon as this case is over, we're going to have a discussion. And I do think that both of them wet their pants (laughs) whenever (laughs) I said that. Yeah. Right. And that's really fortunate that you, that, um, that you have a strong personality. And mo- a lot of CRNAs do. Right. So, so well, I was an RN then. That was when I was an OR nurse. Now, oh, okay. Okay. Tell you, most of the times they don't mess with you if you're giving their anesthesia. Now, I want to quantify that right now because I guarantee you that a surgeon will say something to a female CRNA that he would never say to a male CRNA because, you know, they get into the locker room and the male CRNA will cold cock him. But, and I think that's a gender based thing. And we all know it's true. We all know it's true. Yeah. Um, Well, you know, and I'm sitting here listening to you talk. Sharon, I asked you that question for a reason because, you know, I know you and I know most CRNAs that you're in a position where, you feel comfortable in saying something back to someone that was doing that. I think, Holly, to your point, SRNAs are scared to say anything back. And that's where our conversation is going. Yeah. 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 You're, you're, you're exactly right. And I had 
some really ugly behaviors whenever I was a student. I had a, an anesthesiologist that was so ugly to me whenever I was a student and I was trying to intubate somebody and the surgeon broke scrub, come up to the head of the bed and told him to quit talking to me like that. Wow. Mm-hmm. Good for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, um, students are put in, in a, in a um, precarious position because they aren't necessarily in a position where they can take the action that you took, Sharon. Um, they're scared to take that action. You know, my study showed that, you know, when it came to coping, that all 10 participants reported that they, um, they weren't going to use resources. They didn't use resources. They reported wanting to keep their head down, just get through it. And that's what they, they intended to do. Some of them even stated that if they, they were afraid that if they did report it, that it would make the situation worse and there might be retribution for it. Yeah. And I mean, plus their, I mean, their preceptors are for all intensive purposes, giving them a grade for what they're doing as well. Um, so there can be ramifications for that as well, correct? Correct. And I mean, the other piece of this is that we need to remember that preceptors are allowing students in their ORs right. to take care of their patients. Right. You know, so that really is a gift, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. and that puts that really does put students in a precarious position. Right. You know, that doesn't give preceptors the right to mistreat students by any means. Right. Um you know, but it just, it really does put students in a, um, in a spot, you know, they need to be in those ORs to learn. You can't learn anesthesia any other way. You have to be in the OR. Now, let me ask you a question. I was in the first class where I went to school at Wake Forest that actually rotated to multiple clinical sites. Used to that everybody stayed at the big house, uh, the mothership. But we started rotating out as the classes started getting larger. Are students more at risk with multiple sites? You know, I think that is really, um, I think that really has benefits and risks. When students are exposed to multiple preceptors, they're given the gift of learning multiple ways of doing anesthesia. I always tell my students, the day you graduate, you're going to have a little piece of this preceptor and a little piece of this preceptor and a little piece of this preceptor. And you're going to go out in the world and you're, you're going to evolve into your anesthetic. And it's going to be pieces of all these different brilliant preceptors you were with. Um, the risk comes in, in that, you know, out of all those preceptors, they may encounter a few who are bullies, you know, who treat them uncivil. And that's going to be really unfortunate because, you know, that's going to impede learning for them. and it has a potential to affect their health and well-being and it has you know the potential to make them dislike the profession they chose and all of the effects that my study showed and um so while on one hand being exposed to all of those different practices and all of those different people is such a huge benefit for students on the other hand there there is a slight risk to it you know now i guess if they are at a clinical site where they may be the only student there and you are not there but to monitor a situation as the director. It would seem like it would be a little isolating and that this type of behavior could be gotten away with a lot easier. I think that, um, you know, now my study was only 10 students and, and it obviously was a qualitative study to look at their perceptions of what they thought instability and bullying were. 
um, it didn't by any means measure amounts of instability and bullying going on. And it was over three um, programs in the Midwest. Um, and my study showed that students felt like their relationships with preceptors in, and instability and bullying um, were less in rural rotations and rotations away from their homes, clinical sites, you know, and I, I sort of postulated that maybe that had something to do with the ACT and hierarchical setups that um, occur in uh, large urban mm-hmm. settings. Um, so, you know, I didn't, I didn't see that Sharon in my study. I don't know. They felt very much embraced. They felt, um, like one of the team at their rural rotations, they felt, um, like that, like those people really invested in their learning. That's comforting to know. That is. Oh yeah. Have you thought about what would happen if you weren't able to work for two or three years? You know, on average, 25% of people will file a disability claim, and most of us aren't prepared for that loss of income. Every CRNA needs to protect their biggest asset, yourself and your ability to earn with a disability insurance policy. We recommend contacting Robert Smith, a master disability insurance specialist with more than 30 years of experience and 1,800 CRNA clients to find the coverage that fits you best. The best way to do that is to send him an email at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. That's rsmithjr at financialguide.com. Or call him at 504-394-6557. So Holly, what do you, I mean, there's obviously resources out there. What do you think the reasoning is that students don't want to or don't utilize the resources to kind of report some of this stuff? So a couple things. I think that we need to do a better job of educating everyone about the resources, first of all. A couple of them said they weren't aware of them. Hmm. A couple of them said that they uh, were, like I said, they were afraid to utilize the resources, that it would just maybe make things worse or that nothing would be done. And I think we need to change that narrative. You know, I think that that we need to show students, you know, yeah, something will be done. If you're being bullied, something will be done. And you do that through policy. Every program, I mean, I 100% believe every program and every institution needs to have a zero bullying policy. And, you know, that's it. And, you know, incivility is another thing. It's ambiguous, you know, that's, that's going to be, you know, the parties are going to sit down and come to resolution. But bullying is, is, needs to be zero, zero tolerance policy. And if you implement that, um, I think students are going to see that, you know, and I don't, I don't think when I presented this at ACDE and then presented at annual Congress, I mean, I was, I was honestly a little bit nervous because CRNAs can be, you know, <laughs> not, okay, that's all right. We understand. I've been president <laughs> of this association. I get uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, the things that make them hard to get along with make them good at what they do. Though. Exactly, exactly. And um, so but I was I was really surprised. I got I got so much great feedback and, and very little negative feedback. But the negative feedback I expected to get, I got, which was, you know, they're all a bunch of babies and they're all a bunch of millennials and they need to quit whining and buck up and walk uphill in the snow both ways, just like I did. You know, yeah. that kind of stuff. Sure, sure. Yeah. And, um, and it was funny because, you know, People that have been doing this 30, 40 years responded right away and said, you're wrong. This happened to me 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's time. 
it's time yeah. this conversation took place. Wow. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you know, I've heard other CRNAs say those exact same things. And, and there's a couple people that I know of. And, you know, you hear students say they just don't want to work with these people or they're, you know, they're scared to work with these people because they're so hard on them and, and so critical. But, you know, and then they'll say, oh, they just want everything given to them and they think they're smarter than everybody else. And, um, you know, they're lazy and and you hear all these things. But I think to your point, Holly, it's not a new conversation. I mean, Sharon, you probably had to deal with it. Holly, you probably dealt with it. I mean, I know that uh, physicians who are in training have to deal with it. I mean, it's it's just a cultural thing, it seems like. Yeah. And I mean, I guess to that, and I can't say this enough, there's constructive feedback, constructive learning, you know, so learning under pressure, which you have to be able to do as a CRNA, as an SRNA, and there's strong feedback, which you have to be able to take as an SRNA and as a CRNA. All of those are very, very different from incivility and bullying. Mm. What are some of the resources? You talk about resources. What are some of those things? What are, what is available? Um, so that's, I'm glad you asked that. One of the biggest ones, obviously, is a Title IX coordinator. Um, and everybody in every school, everywhere, in every program should know who their Title IX coordinator is. Oh, I didn't even know we had one of those. <laughs> <laughs> they might not have had them back then. Yeah. Um, and m- almost every college, virtually every um, college has uh, counseling available, and usually it's um, free of charge, at least to have an initial consult in, with a counselor. And those numbers are, are available usually on the website under student services. Crisis hotlines, there's national crisis hotline. Um, there's suicide hotlines. Um, clinical coordinators are usually good people to utilize as resources. Clinical coordinators usually are clinical coordinators and they're not that they're they got those positions because they're good with students. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're usually great resources. Um, dean of students at colleges is a great resource. The dean of the program is usually a great resource. There might be a faculty that is is um, particularly works well with students or a trusted preceptor that you can go to. So those are just some of the resources. The other place to get resources is on the AANA website. There are student resources on there and and there's resources on there for um, quite a few things, actually, for students. There's things for um, things like fatigue and stress and um, incivility and bullying and burnout. I mean, they they just have a whole a whole bunch of of resources on the AANA website. So what would you say to a CRNA? who notices that a colleague is bullying or being um, uncivil to a student? So um, if you have a colleague who is um, being uncivil to a student, I think that starts with a conversation. Like I said, a lot of times with incivility and CRNAs, CRNAs are such direct, blunt people. You know, we just are. And a lot of times... We say things, and I think it's true, a lot of times students interpret that, can interpret that as being incivil, and it's not. Sometimes our sense of humor is a little bit off, and that might be interpreted as incivil. So to a student or a CRNA who interprets something as being incivil, I would say, man, communicate directly, right, with that. You know, did you mean that, you know, did you mean to say fill in the blank? Because 
I took it this way. And usually that's going to clear it up. I bet most of the time, you know, we've had cases where a CRNA made a joke and the student thought CRNA meant it. And the CRNA was kidding, but said it in that sarcastic CRNA way. Yeah. (laughs) And the student was devastated, you know, and, um, turned out the CRNA was, you know, kidding, kidding around. And so had this, had this SRNA felt comfortable enough to say, do you mean that? Is that true? And the CRNA would have gone, what? Oh, I'm kidding. You know, and then that would have been the end of that. Um, so honestly, clear, concise, you know, the seas of communication, direct communication right away, I think is, is really a, a great idea. Now, bullying is a different story, Sharon. If, if you witness somebody bullying, um, a, a direct reporting to a supervisor, again, I, I, I think that is a, a no tolerance policy situation. Beyond the Mask is made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. With almost two decades of experience, the firm guides CRNAs through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Schedule a free consultation today by calling 855-304-3748 or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. So Holly, you know, the the SRNAs that were involved in your study, obviously they were brave and in, in coming forward to you and telling you their story. And, and how did you, how did you encourage them to do that and keep their privacy and safety and so forth? It was a phen- phenomenological study and I did have a purposeful sample, meaning the participants chose whether or not they wanted to participate. So they, I sent out an email to the deans of three Midwest programs, and then they distributed emails to their student body. Those students contacted me if they wanted to participate in the study, and then I um, contacted them. When I did the interviews with them, we selected a private place away from their clinical site and their school that was secluded, and I conducted the interviews there, and they selected a pseudonym and um, so that was how I de-identified them in the study. Okay. And that, that makes sense. Um, you know, again, you know, I'm just sitting here thinking there ought to be some way in every program, and not necessarily just taking one student's word for this, because, you know, I've, I've known situations where students weren't doing well and they've, you know, they've kind of come back on the school and, and done things like that. But I mean, if there's a, you know, if every student is afraid to work with Bob CRNA and they don't like Bob CRNA because he does X, Y, and Z, there should be some kind of ramifications from someone in your seat to go to the higher ups and say, you know, Bob is doing this to our students. Is there not anything in place like that in most institutions? I don't really know of any. I do know of a situation in another state where um, several students were upset with a preceptor and um, the institution then did some educating with that preceptor, Mm -hmm. um, which was a great situation. Yeah. Well, you know, I just, I'm I'm thinking back and, you know, I've heard uh, students and who are now, you know, CRNAs and I'm actually thinking of this one guy right now in my head and the students hated working with him, hated. I mean, he could be suggestive to the female uh, folks. He 
was very degrading to the male folks. And, you know, I know this guy and he's he's now somewhere and he's a chief CRNA. And, you know, I often wonder what... That's to get him from the bedside. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe so. I don't know. But... You, you know, I don't, I don't know if there, there just, there should be some sort of mechanism that if this is something that's happening with more than one student over a certain time period, that there needs to be some sort of ramification to that, whether it is educational in nature, um, you know, whether it's a warning, whether, whatever it is, I mean. Well, I think that, I think they police it. And, and when I say that, I believe that Holly probably knows who the offenders are and you just don't put students with them anymore. Well, honestly, that's up to the institutions because they're the ones that have high, that, that are the employers of the preceptors. Uh, you know, the, the, the schools don't, we don't hire the preceptors. The yeah. institutions do. Sure. But, so, right. I mean, it's not up to us to discipline preceptors. We can't do that. Yeah. So, but I, I do think there is some self policing that goes on i mean i remember in school there were people that nobody wanted to be with and eventually that would kind of make its way out and so they didn't have students anymore yeah i mean and you know the ones that really enjoy students and so they seem to always have one so i do think that there is some self-policing that goes on in that regard and i could be pollyanna (laughs) <laughs> but it just seemed to be what happened even, you know, in the ice age whenever I went to school. <laughs> well, and I think a big, a big fix is just going to be just to get, I mean, culture is the hardest thing in the world to change, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, a big fix is just going to be to continue to educate about it, you know, just continue educating, continue educating the SRNAs continue educating the CRNAs. And there's lots of ways we can do that. And I mean, you guys are helping do that right now. So I guess this is something else that I think about overall in society. uh, We seem to be less civil as a whole. Um, Really? You know, I know they're relating that back to COVID and the isolation and lots of different things. (laughs) But I'm wondering if you're seeing that trickle down in the clinical area is is does this seem to be getting worse or gosh that's a great question you know i wrote my dissertation before covid and um i think the first uh the first sentences of it were that incivility and bullying permeate all aspects of our lives today that's the first line in it Mm -hmm. yeah so i mean i don't think it's because of covid I think incivility and bullying have been around, I don't know, it feels like for a while. But you don't perceive that it's any worse. It's just kind of same. I think it's better than when you and I were students. Right. Because, well, that makes sense. Uh, More of a zero tolerance. We did put up with things. And back then it was more sexual harassment kind of issue. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Than, than you deal with now. I mean, mm-hmm. now people. That was everywhere. No tolerance. You ought to have seen how I learned airway. I mean, I had help and it was back to belly help. <laughs> <laughs> Teaching you how to maintain an airway and you just stood uh, very still. Uh, and 
<laughs> so oh I, I think I, I think you're probably right in that regard because there's less less tolerance of bad behavior in operating rooms than there was 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah, I think there is less tolerance of that kind of thing. And and I mean, I've seen situations where surgeons have been, you know, fired from institutions for things that they would have never been fired for, you know, 25 years ago. Bad behavior, you know, temper tantrums type stuff and and bullying type stuff. And um, so, yeah, I I think that's better. I think society as a whole in civilian bullying is tanking, you know, in terms of the grocery store and the, you know, the drive home and the and the social media. That's way worse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing that you did say or tell us that the we know that the COA does site visits, but if the students are reporting this and bullying, it could jeopardize the accreditation of the school. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, um, you know, that there's the um, graduate standards that um, the COA requires, and there's 51 of those. And um, some of them are that they'd be vigilant in the delivery of patient care. Um, And then there's 12 standards under critical thinking. And that's that um, students utilize interpersonal communication skills that result in effective interprofessional exchange of information and that they collaborate with other healthcare professionals and that they teach others and that they adhere to the code of ethics for CRNAs and that they interact on a professional level with integrity And the COA also says that schools or programs need to have clinical site standards. And um, the big one there is that the program demonstrates that the educational environment at all the clinical sites that their students go to, that those clinical sites are conducive to student learning. So, you know, in my study, I show that if students are experiencing instability and bullying, the educational experiences are negatively affected, that they said decrease, they experience decreased motivation and non-meaningful education. So that standard is out the door, you know, Mm -hmm. so it can, it can, I mean, it could mess with accreditation. Wow. That's a biggie. It is. is. Yeah. Kind of, kind of important. Well, you know, Holly, as we kind of wrap up here, Sharon always loves to do what we call the lightning round. I don't know whether you've heard us do that before, but uh, this is kind of her little, her little baby, and uh, she's come up with this. So, Sharon, I'm going to let you start with the lightning round here before we have Holly conclude. Okay, Holly. So, who is your hero? My children. Mm. How many children <laughs> do you have? That's hokey. <laughs> no, that's I, have, I have three children and one son-in-law. Nice. Holly, who are you grateful for right now? I switched it up. I saw Sharon look down. I switched it up. Yeah. I said who instead of Um, what? I'm going to have to say, um, well, can I say two? My husband and my beach are at home waiting for me. Oh, okay. 50 miles from where you're at right now. 50 miles from where I am 50 miles? Oh, wow. Wow. Jeez. So when you feel fear, what do you do first? You know, I have, um, I was a trauma nurse before I was a CRNA. And um, I've just always been um, a jump back and assess the situation and then take action. So I just, that's always my go-to. Assess and react. 
All right, Holly, if you had one year left to live, what would you do? I think I'm probably going to travel, travel a lot, go see the Aurora Borealis. Well, even if you're not going to be living or you are going to be living another year, are you going to Croatia to the IFNA meeting? Yes. Oh, good. Well, we'll All see right. you there. We'll be there. <laughs> we will be there. Right. Wait, when is it? What month? May. May, May, May 1st. 3rd through the 5th. Yeah. Oh, my okay. gosh. You guys are so busy. Oh, yeah. We're going <laughs> We're going to be doing podcast taping there yeah. at the meeting. Yeah. All right. Well, Holly, we want to thank you for being on the show. But before that, is there anything that you want to conclude on to get across to our listeners and in, in dealing with this very, very important issue? I just think that, um, again, I can't stress enough that I think every practice and program should have a um, no tolerance policy in place for um, for bullying. And I think as as CRNAs, we should always strive to represent our profession in the best light possible. And I think it is possible to give constructive feedback and and provide constructive learning and and know how those differ from instability and bullying. I think you're exactly right. Well, we want to thank you for being on the show. Thank you for all the good work you've done here and uh, with your students each and every day. And and, you know, this is going to change the culture of the CRNA community, and we all know that. And it's just getting the word out there, people like you, people who've been through it and say enough is enough, and that'll, that'll be the change. And uh, we just got to keep talking about it and keep preparing people to deal with it. Um, so thank you. Thanks so much for having me, Jeremy. Thanks, Sharon. Sharon, I think that's a wrap. I think so. We want to thank our listeners for listening to Beyond the Mass with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. If you like our show and want to help us grow, Sharon, how can they help us? Well, the best way is to leave a review for us, five stars, and make it positive because there's enough negativity in this world, right? Amen. I think we just had a whole podcast on that. There you go. (laughs) There you go. And you know what, Sharon? I'm going to just say that the majority of our listeners probably 99.9 percent are amazing and they give mm-hmm. us really positive feedback and that's great and we really appreciate that we really yes do. we do so, until next time it's a wrap As a CRNA, you spend years preparing yourself for this career, so we don't want to see you lose out on any of the income you've worked so hard to earn. The best way to protect yourself and give you the confidence that a major life event won't disrupt your financial future is through disability insurance. We've known disability income specialist Robert Smith for many years and have seen the work he's done with nearly 2,000 CRNAs over multiple decades. He can help identify any gaps in your existing coverage and fill those gaps by finding the best value on a policy. Contact Robert and let him know you heard about him on our podcast. Send him an email at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. That's rsmithjr at financialguide.com. Or call him at 504-394-6557. Protect your greatest asset as a CRNA, yourself and your ability to earn a living by adding disability insurance to your financial plan.
Today's show is brought to you by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services, customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. Call the team at 855-304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists and President and Founder of Our Hearts, Your Hands, a global anesthesia support community that takes donations to allow nurse anesthetists in low and middle income countries to go to educational programs, buy equipment or textbooks. Your donations are tax deductible and we would appreciate your support. OSA EMR is a free anesthesia EMR developed by CRNAs that you can download and use on an iPad. Our nonprofit mission is to make sure that solo and small practice CRNAs can digitally record their anesthetics. To learn more, visit OSAEMR.com to download and consider donating to our cause. Remember, for CRNAs, data is destiny. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also, check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA History Series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry, or try the CRNA Personal Finance Series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social. Check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group.